Howdy, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of TGC Midweek. Jacob and Michael back with you on the pod. Mr. Novak, how are you, sir? Doing well and enjoying this sunshine. Yeah, it's a it's a nice day today. It was cool this morning. Yeah, it sure is. It's been a nice week, which has been nice because when you're in quarantine, nothing's worse than a cloudy, rainy day. Uh-huh. You've been inside for a month and a half. Ever. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I guess it's safe to say we've completely run out of our witty banter now that we're starting with the weather. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Have you uh, have you taken up any new hobbies during this quarantine time? Um, besides growing the Corona beard, um, <laughs> not 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 really. Yeah, uh, just more time to read. I guess there you go. There's a there's a dude perfect video on YouTube about the quor- the different types of people in quarantine, and one is one is the new hobbies guy. <laughs> and uh, I, I tend to find myself in, in, in that category because I, I tend to find new things that I want to do. And most of them I never end up doing, but I, I learn uh-huh. a lot about them in the process. So, yes, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll start homebrewing sometime soon. <laughs> hey, there you go. I've been playing a lot more basketball uh, with yeah. my son. Yeah. Yeah. Your hobby is significantly more healthy than mine, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, homebrew and basketball, that's a good combination if we could bring the two together. Yeah, there we go. Um, so, uh, Michael, we are we are starting a new series today. Before we introduce that, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what church is going to look like this Sunday? Yes, uh, this Sunday, May third, um, with uh, the guidance of our governor's uh, updated uh, recommendations, we are going to um, start the slow move towards potentially re-meeting together physically. Um, and so this Sunday, uh, we have got two options for worship. We have got our normal virtual worship option that will be available for folks. Uh, we will have our worship service posted to the front page of our website by noon on Sunday, um, where you can engage in that worship service uh, along with a liturgy that will be posted there for you from the comfort of your home. Uh, but this week, we will also be offering a physical option. On Sunday, we have got the benefit of being at Lutheran High School, and at Lutheran, they have got a large soccer field next to the gymnasium where we normally meet. And this Sunday, we are going to be on that soccer field. Worship will start at 9 o'clock in the morning, not 10 o'clock, but 9 o'clock, so that we can beat some of the morning heat. It's going to be a hot day, but it still should be fairly cool at 9 o'clock in the morning. We're encouraging folks to bring their own lawn chairs and own blankets so that they don't have to touch any of the chairs that we have there, but we will have them available and they will be disinfected um, for your use if you don't have a lawn chair or a blanket. And uh, we'll engage in a normal service and would really love uh, to remind folks for the sake of other people, please uh, be uh, mindful of uh, remaining socially distanced. Um, I know that some of you might not be concerned about the social distance, but others are. And so in light of loving our brothers and sisters, please remain socially distanced from one another, at least six feet, if not more. And also, your kids are welcome to come. I've even talked to some that are going to bring kind of play pens for their kids um, so that they stay in an enclosed area. We will not have child care 
And so we're going to just rely on uh, families being responsible for keeping their children socially distanced as well. And so please keep that in mind um, as you come and join us on Sunday morning. Uh, But it should be good to see each other's faces and worship with one another. Um, And we are going to do that this week and hopefully continue to do that into the future as we ease back into normal physical worship, uh, but always um, staying adaptive. Uh, because who knows how this might change into the future. But for this week, we will be offering those two different options. Yeah, that's great. I know we're, uh, my family, we're really looking forward to to being there in person again. Yes, we are too. So got a, a question here um, that's kind of related to, to a, a previous podcast and then also to one of your sermons, Michael. I wanted to take a few minutes to talk about this and I think in some ways it leads us into our our, our new series. So uh, the, the question basically says this. I was listening to the midweek podcast about the implications of our baptism, one of them being a new heart. Yet this weekend we learned that the heart is desperately wicked. I'm not sure how those two ideas fit together. Mm. Yes. Um, it's a great question. And uh, speaking of the David and Bathsheba sermon uh, from a few weeks ago, where I mentioned from Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And I use that to apply um, to David and his um, uh, devolution into sin that we read about there in Second Samuel chapter 11. And it's uh, a, a question um, that's really good because in a sermon, obviously, it's not a teaching time. A sermon is more about proclamation and capturing the heart, whereas what we're doing right now and what we might do in a Sunday school uh, class or seminar would be a more about teaching. And to be honest, I just didn't give it enough time in the sermon to uh, nuance and qualify what I was saying. Um, and I, I do believe that Jeremiah chapter 17 is, is talking about what we might refer to as an unregenerate heart. Um, apart from Christ, apart from receiving a regenerate heart in Christ through the Spirit, our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, and no one can understand it. But if you uh, flip forward, let's just say, to another prophet, Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27, um, it says uh, this. Let me get there real fast and read it. Um, It says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will move the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And so here you have Ezekiel promising God's people a new heart along with the new covenant that is brought to bear by Jesus. And so I think that we would say uh, that um, as followers of Jesus, uh, that we have been given new hearts that can be inclined towards good and inclined towards Jesus. But if you read the epistles in the New Testament, you get lots of uh, examples that there is still a sin that resides even in our new hearts. And so as Christians now with these new hearts, we're constantly battling between what's good and what's evil. And you see this in Galatians chapter 5, for instance, uh, when Paul talks about try to put to death the old man that still resides within us, 
the old man that loves to lie, to gossip, to engage in sexual immorality, he might say, and try to breathe into life the new man, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And uh, there's this battle raging within us now as believers um, between good and evil. And so, um, you know, the fourfold state of man that we talked about uh, a number of times on this podcast is helpful. Um, Before the fall, Adam and Eve had a heart that could only choose good. After the fall, once our heart had died, um, we could only choose evil. And I think that's what Jeremiah 17 is is pointing to. Um, Our hearts are desperately sick and wicked. They can only choose evil apart from Christ. Once Christ comes to save us and we place our faith in him and we receive new hearts, we can once again choose between good and evil. Our hearts can be inclined towards good or evil. And one day when Jesus comes back to make our hearts fully and finally new, we will only be able to choose good. And so I think those are some helpful distinctions. And um, I, I I don't know if I need to apologize uh, for using Jeremiah 17 in the way that I did. It just wasn't well qualified uh, in the context of a sermon or as qualified as we might like it to be. Sure. You know, also on this topic, I think of Romans 7 where uh, Paul says, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So even yes. once we're in Christ, there is still our, our sin nature is still a part of us. And so now the spirit nature and the sin nature are, are in conflict within us. Um, the, the reformers had a phrase that was Latin, and it basically means something like at the at once you're both saint and sinner, and that that's a, a slogan that I think is helpful. Yes, uh, the Latin would be simul ustus et peccator, simultaneously justified and sinner. But um, I like the uh, the idea you're talking about, Jacob, the old man, new man, and I think about it in terms of weeds and fruit. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a little bit of both in our hearts as we follow <clears throat> Jesus. And what does it look like to continue to eradicate the weeds and to cultivate the fruit? And we're right. able to do that now as we follow Jesus. You might say that that takes some discipline. You could say that. <laughs> uh, so with that, let's launch into our, our series, Michael, on spiritual disciplines. I want um, folks to know that was unplanned, and that's a beautiful transition. <laughs> Oh man, I'm going to I'm going to work on my segues and make them even more corny as we as we go through this. But um so so Michael th- this working title here is uh Spiritual Disciplines Ancient Practices for the Christian Journey, a devotion by Michael Novak. Um <laughs> we're uh uh we've reached out waiting to hear back from Tim Keller on a forward, so we'll keep you posted <laughs> on that. But um uh, <laughs> so why don't why don't you introduce this topic to us, Michael? Talking about spiritual disciplines, what does that mean? Yeah, uh, spiritual disciplines being those activities uh, that we read about in the Bible um, that we engage in as followers of Jesus, both individually and corporately, which will be um, interesting to talk about. Those activities that we engage in uh, where we are actually grown in Christ's likeness, where we are shaped and formed more into Christ's image. 
um, where we're able to connect with God, not just know about him, but actually know him as we connect to him personally and relationally. Um, There are also practices that we engage in that shape and form us so that we might move out and love others well. Um, It's interesting as you think about the idea of fruit. Um, Fruit is not for the tree. Fruit is for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. And so as we engage in the spiritual disciplines and experience the fruit of the Spirit uh, growing because we're engaged in those disciplines, we obviously enjoy some of that fruit, but it's also meant to be for the life of the world. And so you can think of spiritual disciplines as for us and our enjoyment, but also for our brothers and sisters and for the world at large as mm-hmm. we bring um, our new selves our reformed selves to bear in this world and to push back the curse of sin. So that's what spiritual disciplines are. Yeah, exactly. And and there's just a couple of qualifying statements I want to make because um, uh, you may disagree with me on this, Michael, but I think that uh, a, a topic without qualification on spiritual disciplines might be one of the most harmful things that we could do for Christian listeners. Cause listen, I've, I've heard every uh, video series and been to every conference and read every Bible study about the spiritual disciplines. And when you do that, it just beats you down if it's not framed in the right imperative and indicative or uh, indicative and then imperative sort of way. Yes. And so I think there's some qualifications that we can put around here because, you know, especially in Bible Belt evangelicalism, there's this idea of like, if you're not engaged in the quote unquote spiritual disciplines enough, then you should call into question um, your salvation. Yes. So I, I think it's important just for folks to understand that as we go through and talk about these spiritual disciplines, it we should not be placing our assurance, that is our, our comfort that we are in Christ, we shouldn't be placing that in our fulfillment of reading the Bible or praying or fasting or anything like that. Our Mm -hmm. assurance is found objectively outside of anything that we do in Christ. So there's no amount of spiritual disciplines um, that we have to do to, to prove that we're Christian. And none of us should look at our Christian brothers and sisters and look for proof before we conclude that they're Christians. I think that's that's a trend that we've seen mm-hmm. in the church, and I think it's a dangerous one. Yes, and also on the flip side of that, Jacob, I would say spiritual disciplines are not meant to be penance. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, uh, we will uh, fall or struggle with particular sins, and in a way to get back right with God or to offer some sort of penance to get us back up to level zero— We'll promise ourselves, I'll read my Bible for the next 30 days, or I'll pray every day for the next 15 days, thinking that we're earning or getting back into God's good graces, and that is not how we should view these spiritual disciplines either. Um, There's a few foundational points I think we can talk about um, as uh, we jump into this topic in the coming weeks. Um, And the first is what you're hitting on. Um, Our status with God is secure. If we're in Christ— um, our status with God can't change. He can't love us any more than he already does. He loves us perfectly no matter what we do. But that does not mean that our experience with God can't change. And so while our status is secure, our experience uh, with him uh, can can fluctuate. 
And the spiritual disciplines offer us an opportunity to connect with the Lord um, in really vibrant ways uh, and experience experience His love and His grace towards us. And so um, that's kind of the first foundational point that I'd throw out there, and happy to hear if you've got anything to say about that. It, if not, I can move on to the, the well, second foundational well, let's, point. Let's camp out there just for a little sure. bit. When you talk about experiencing God— um, that sounds kind of flowery to me. <laughs> so yeah. what what does that mean to experience God? And then what does it mean for that to, I guess, become enhanced through the practice of spiritual disciplines? Yeah, well, we would say that um, our relationship with God, oftentimes I think we, we think if we know a lot about God, um, if we read a lot about God— um, if uh, we can pass Bible trivia, that that means that um, you know we're we're good to go. But there's another aspect where you simply need to just enjoy being in God's presence, um, and you can do that through the spiritual disciplines. You know, the Christian life isn't all about the head. There's mm-hmm. also an aspect of it that involves the heart. In fact, you could make the argument that we are driven by our affections. And so the spiritual disciplines really want to come and shape and form and channel our affections towards Jesus and towards God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, it is a little bit um, ambiguous and um, subjective. It's not as objective as knowing biblical facts, um, but I think that you know it when you experience it, when you're reading the Bible not to learn more but to connect with God. Um, when you're praying um, and you sense the Spirit's presence in your heart, I think that that's an intangible thing that believers can um, point to, and, and hopefully we've all experienced to some degree. When you're at worship, it's not about filling your head, but it's about um, letting open your heart to, to express praise and gratitude for what God has done. And so that's what I mean when I'm talking about experience. Um you know, our status is secure, but our experience with God can change. We can feel, for instance, the psalmist might say dry in some seasons, like our strength is sapped, and the spiritual disciplines allow us an opportunity to plug into God in such a way where we have sap in our lives like a strong-rooted tree. Um, and so that's what I'm talking about when I say experience. Um, it's, it's more intangible, I think, which might be harder to wrap our minds around, but I think that you know it when you, when you see it in some ways. Gotcha. What, what is the other main foundational point that you wanted to talk about? Sure. Um, the other thing is, and we talk about this often at Trinity Grace, is following Jesus in the Christian life is opposed to merit. You can't earn God's love. And this is back talking, uh, touching on what you talked about earlier, Jacob, with the indicatives and imperatives. You cannot earn God's love. So following Jesus is opposed to merit, but it's not opposed to effort. We are called to action in the Christian life. Um, We cannot expect to grow into Christ's likeness and to be shaped and formed uh, by his love by just kind of sitting on the couch and hoping that it someday happens by way of osmosis. Um, it actually involves us um, moving forward and reading the scriptures and praying prayers and being in worship on Sunday morning and engaging in fasting and silence and solitude. And so, you know, we inherently know what this looks like when it comes to our physical health. Um, if you want to get physically healthy, 
Uh, you eat less calories and exercise more. It's not going to happen if you just sit on the couch. We know how that works. For some reason, it's a little harder for us to grasp that spiritually. Um, because, uh, rightfully so, we say that the Christian life is all about grace. You can't do anything to earn God's love, and that is so true, but we've got to make a sharp distinction there. We can't earn God's love. Following Jesus is opposed to merit, but that doesn't mean that we're not called to work. It's not mm-hmm. opposed to effort. And you see this um, in the Bible. Uh, for instance, um, Paul talks about it a lot. Uh, let's go to just two places where he mentions it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, beginning in verse 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, um, Paul uh, says this, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and the, also for the life to come. And so Paul here is very clearly um, intimating that there is even strenuous effort involved in training ourselves for godliness in the Christian life. And so it's not that we believe in Jesus and then he takes care of it the rest of the way. It's we believe in Jesus and then we cooperate with the Holy Spirit as he continues to shape and form us into holiness and purity. And we do that with the spiritual disciplines. Sure. Yeah. Um, is there is there a list of spiritual disciplines that you have in mind that that we're going to be going through in the next couple of weeks? Yeah. Over the next few weeks, um, we'll take uh, each spiritual discipline separately and likely talk about one discipline per week or maybe two per week. And some of the disciplines that we'll touch upon, and we find all of these disciplines, by the way, in the Bible. So we're 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 making the Bible our anchor when we talk about spiritual disciplines. And those disciplines would be uh, things like scripture reading, uh, prayer, silence and solitude, uh, fasting, worship, community can even be a spiritual discipline, engaging in fellowship with other believers. And it's interesting uh, when you think about it that um, that all of these disciplines that we're going to talk about Um, Like we mentioned, they have a vertical aspect to them where we're connecting with the Lord, but they also have a horizontal aspect to them where we're shaping and forming ourselves um, so that we might love our neighbors, our friends, and our family better. And so in, in a very real way, as we engage in the spiritual disciplines, we're training ourselves to fulfill the great commandment of loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and also loving our neighbor as ourselves. And the spiritual disciplines hopefully are shaping and forming us uh, to follow that command that Jesus gives us. So there's not only a vertical aspect, we're not just connecting with the Lord, we're also trying to bless our neighbors as we become more like Jesus through these disciplines. And I yeah, think that, that is important. That's that's such a good point. And one thing to mention, one of the things that Jesus says is that the 
you know, with the new, um, you know, with Christ coming and him dying for our, our sins, like the law doesn't go away. Jesus says that no jot or tittle of the law is going to be erased. Um, and the summary of the law is what you just pointed out, love God and love neighbor. And so now with our position in Christ, the law is no longer our taskmaster, as Paul would say. It's now um, our guide for the beautiful life. And and that posture towards the law, I think, is so important because, you know, like I've said before, I've seen so many Christians being beat down and burdened and questioning their assurance because they think Leviticus is boring <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. <laughs> Shocker, it is. And so it, it's so important to have our posture towards the law changed in this way where it's no longer, um, it's no longer crushing us, but it's, it's a guide for our life as we continue to live into our union with Christ. Yes. And I, on that um, topic, I would say that instead of being prescriptive with the spiritual disciplines, which we should be because they're commanded, I prefer to be descriptive. This is what your life could look like. Mm-hmm. This is this is what Jesus wants for you, the joy, the peace, the patience, the goodness, the faithfulness that he wants from you, and the way that you're going to move towards that good, beautiful life that attracts others is going to be by engaging in these spiritual disciplines. And so instead of shaming people for not engaging, I really prefer to paint the picture of look at what life could be like if we mm-hmm. engaged in these activities, these disciplines that God has given us. Um and, you know, the other thing I'd mention, too, is oftentimes when you look at spiritual disciplines and when you look at growth in the Bible, it's likened to agricultural or farming language. And I think that's so important to keep in mind as we talk about these disciplines because we can't plant a tree today and hope to have fruit tomorrow. It takes a long time, and sometimes you don't see any growth or signs of life um, as you're engaging in farming and agricultural activities. And I think that's so true. Uh, it's it's so like the spiritual disciplines where we can continue to plod and plant and water, um, and we don't experience much activity, but that doesn't mean things aren't happening. And so we continue to uh, be patient and continue to be hopeful um, as we continue to um, cultivate I love the word cultivate when it comes to spiritual disciplines as we continue to cultivate those disciplines in our life. That's right. And and Michael, I look forward to going through some of these spiritual disciplines with you over the next couple of weeks. I, I think this might be a good place to wrap up our introductory conversation. Do you have any final thoughts for the good of the group? Um, yeah. Uh, one last thing I'll say, because I, I jotted it down, and we'll talk about this with each discipline. And I've already mentioned it a little bit, but there's an individual and corporate aspect And so when we pray, we pray privately, but we also pray corporately when we gather for worship or in community groups, neighborhood groups. Uh, We read the scriptures privately and connect with the Lord that way. We also do it corporately. We can fast privately. We can also fast corporately. You see corporate fasts in the scripture happening throughout its pages. And so um, that is an interesting aspect that we'll touch on in the coming weeks too, the individual and corporate aspects of these disciplines. Absolutely. Well, I, I think we're going to be digging into scripture reading next week, um, so look forward to to tackling that, um, folks. If you've got any questions on spiritual disciplines or, or any other topics that, that that might come to mind as you listen to the sermons or 
or read the Bible, uh, we'd love to take a stab at those. You, you can always send those questions to questions at trinitygracesa.org. Or if you look at the bottom of your worship liturgy, there's there's oftentimes a number there that you can text those questions to, and we'll receive those anonymously. But until next week, uh, this has been TGC Midweek, and we appreciate you tuning in.